Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 614 with a review of Eurovision Song Contest, colon, The Story of Fire Saga. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly f- film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, earlier in the feed, uh, we had a little review of Irresistible, um, which turned out to be Resistible. And uh, now we're talking about the latest Netflix film, um, which uh, looked like it could potentially be pretty funny. Um, so we're here to talk about this. Um, it is about the Eurovision music competition. This is a real competition. I know nothing about it. Um, are you familiar at all with the Eurovision Song Contest, Stephen? I am not. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I don't know anything. I, I think ABBA got their start there. Like, I think that's how they got famous. Uh, but no, otherwise I didn't know this existed until this movie. So that's one fun <laughs> aspect of this movie. Like, now yeah. I know a thing that I didn't know before. Um, have you ever in your life partaken in any of the music competition reality shows that kind of exist? Like, uh, sure. Yeah. 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 I definitely went through a big family viewing of American Idol for a few years yeah. of my life. I was trying Same. to figure out recently what, ye- what years those were. Cause I know there are just like songs that I remember from being covered in American Idol. Like whenever James Blunt was popular, I know I was watching American <laughs> Idol then because like You're Beautiful, I just remember him performing it multiple times on American Idol. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I would do that, but that, that was about it. I never, like by the time The Voice was a thing, I definitely stopped caring about that stuff. But probably there was like a four-year American Idol run where I was pretty heavily into it. Yeah, I, I think I, I had the exact same experience. I, I watched um, some of the early seasons um, sporadically of American Idol with my family because they, they were kind of big into it. And I kind of, it, back then it was the time where I feel like they were purposely bringing in a bunch of shitty people during the auditions because you wanted to like watch it and see somebody be terrible and watch the, the judges like take them down. But I feel like the sense I get from all like the commercials that I saw after I had stopped watching it is that eventually they just got like a shit ton of really good people <laughs> who were yeah. kind of going in. I mean, maybe that's just because I was only seeing ads for like the final most rounds, but I feel like they stopped advertising as he- heavily for the, um, the early audition side of things, or maybe they just got so yeah. big, they, they, it would be like four seasons just to show the audition process or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, and also the auditions are definitely not exhaustive. I think they only show a few of the people who audition. So any bad performer that they show, it's because the producers are fucking assholes. <laughs> like that, yeah, yeah. That's the reality is they're like, okay, we want to show this person fail because it's going to be funny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, did you have passionate feelings about who should win? Like, I definitely remember liking Ruben Studdard and... Diana DeGarmo and uh, Jennifer Hudson. I remember her season. I remember being pretty into her. Uh, like there are a few people that I don't know anything about them anymore. Well, Jennifer Hudson is a famous person now, but yeah, most yeah. of them, I don't know anything about them, but I remember having very strong opinions for like however many long weeks that semifinals were. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember. I would watch to check it out, but I did I didn't really have i i mean i watched it like i watch most sports where i really don't care who wins <laughs> mm-hmm. like i'm i'm generally watching it just because it's on and i, I kind of so participate 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't, never voted for a person on American Idol. Um, oh, I voted. And it felt crazy to do a... I mean, I guess my family voted. I don't think we all had cell phones, but we collectively <laughs> found a way to text or do whatever it took to vote. And that felt pretty cool. Did you have arguments on, on who the family would use their one vote on? Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think... I'm not going to look up any of these names, but I think the season I remember us arguing about Fantasia Barino and Diana DiCarmo were two of the finalists and maybe Jennifer Hudson was the third one in that year. And I remember being on team Diana, but Fantasia won out in my family in the end. <laughs> and what's funny and what's sad is the winner of American Idol, apparently that does not guarantee you will be a famous singer for very long at all because I've, yeah, never, yeah. I've never heard of those people. Whereas the people who didn't win, like Clay Aiken, um, they got lucky or they were just talented enough to jumpstart it anyway. But it's weird yeah. how it's such a big competition and then they just disappear forever. Yeah, yeah. And like that Kelly Clarkson girl, whatever happened to her? Chokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Did you ever watch when Justin met Kelly? No, I didn't. <laughs> my, it's a canonically my, bad movie. My my not exactly fandom for the series didn't push me over the hump to be able to watch that thing. <laughs> give it give it a spin. <laughs> I also I have this like something in my soul doesn't like spinning off properties like that. Like taking people who competed in some event and then giving them some other thing to like try to turn like it feels like too much like the machine churning through people and trying to yeah. do the Disney Channel thing. Um, so I kind of just steered clear. Yeah, like I'm going to watch American Idol, but fuck the system, man. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Steven. <laughs> All right. Well, should we get into Eurovision Song Contest? The story of Fire Saga? Uh, Tog. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for this film, and we're going to, going to come back and give you a review. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All right, everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who wants to hear Eurovision Song? Iceland thinks we are a joke. That's not true. And my father is ashamed of me. No, he's not. He looked me into the eyes and said, I am ashamed of you. Maybe he was drunk. He said, and you might think that I'm drunk, but I am dead sober. Idiot. Officially, Fire Saga will be representing Iceland at Eurovision this year. I hate them. Absolutely terrible. They're old, disgusting people. But we have no choice. So we're in. Yep. 42 countries. Hundreds of performers. And a worldwide audience of 180 million. This is Eurovision. Wow! You have to watch that guy. He is a sex player. Hey, looking good. Secret, very beautiful voice. Thank you. We are a duo that will never be separated. George Michael says something about other wham guy. <laughs> no one even knows his name. Andrew Ridgely. You have to stay focused. We need to win. What are you doing? I just want my ding-dong to look bigger than what is really there. Yeah. I could do a camel. Do a classic camel. It's never out of style. Yeah. 
This is it. We have to prove to Iceland and my extremely handsome father that my life hasn't been a waste. For both of us. Lars, you are a dreamer. My dreamer. Ah, we can't. Really? Romance, it ruins the bands. Fleetwood Mac. Ace of Bass, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, I forgot about Simon. Where the mountains sing to the screams of seagulls. Firesarger are not giving up. Tonight is our night. You don't have a single chance of making it. Stop laughing, I'm trying to fight you! You hit me, but very light, like silky kitty fist in marshmallow boxing glove. Alright, so that was the trailer for Eurovision Song Contest, the story of a fire saga um it is basically the story of um this uh young man um who grew up being obsessed with eurovision song contest and his dream was to one day get there and uh his partner uh secret um who is not his sister by the way um <laughs> uh is is his partner in crime and they uh managed to weasel their way into the eurovision song contest and this is about them trying to play their heart out and win the competition if they can Stephen miller what did you think of this film i am so torn as to how to rate this film because how do you rate a movie when for most of the runtime you are kind of meh on it it kind of feels like blades of glory trying to be pitch perfect and it isn't totally <laughs> nailing either and like it feels pretty generic and like the music is good and there are funny moments but then there's a lot of kind of downtime where nothing really that funny happens so you take all that and then all of a sudden like 10 minutes before the end of the movie a note <laughs> happens in a song and you start crying <laughs> oh you mean you weren't already crying when the first piano key started playing <sighs> it was starting but that, yeah yeah i mean that was my experience when I, I was like not that into this movie and then the piano starts and then i'm like i can get into this song and then she hits that note and i, I was literally crying i just started crying <laughs> i like rewound and rewatched it like four times and every time i cried <laughs> It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, so so what do you do with that? Um like like on its face, this is a very silly movie. And it isn't silly in like the walk hard kind of way where it is just like an over the top satire of a thing. It's silly in more of the classic Will Ferrell goofy way of like these characters are behaving ridiculously. Um and there, there's a lot to like in the characters. Like Rachel McAdams, I think, is, is like extremely good and charming in this. Dan Stevens is a sex machine in this movie, and I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> he's so great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Will Ferrell is... The age gap is a little bit weird between him and Rachel McAdams, but like he's enough of a kind of asexual creature in this movie that it doesn't bother me very much. Um, you know, he, he can be whoever he wants to be. Uh, like, it's funny enough, but then... It feels sometimes like it is trying to be 
very satirical funny. Um, and there are little moments where it hits that. Like there is a moment of something blowing up and limbs being involved that I thought were funny <laughs> that felt kind of walk hardy to me in the sense of like a dark, dark comedy about these things. Um, there are also just broadly in like funny phrases like someone says anger cannot turn the butter like they have, they have a good time just making fun of like fake fake european sayings and stuff like that yeah but then there's a lot of stuff like that feels like it's trying to be pitch perfect like the song along that everyone does together and yeah. things like that that they're not even trying to make it be believable in any way right like there are instruments that do not exist and there is autotune that is clearly happening with people who are pretending to just be standing there um and like the whole vibe is a little bit weird and it, it never gave me the feeling of like Eddie the Eagle or something where I'm deeply rooting for these people because they're, they're still caricatures most of the time. And the things that they're going through are very surface level. Again, I'm saying Blades of Glory, like not like peak Will Ferrell, but more like the normal middle, like middle brow, mid Ferrell movies, Will Ferrell movies, mid Ferrell. <laughs> it, it's very mid Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it just didn't, it wasn't doing that much for me. And there were lots of times where Will was going over the top and I wasn't really on board for it or plot mechanics would happen that I just didn't care about. And then something really funny would happen, like knocking over a porta potty when a guy is in it or, <laughs> you know, there were things that kept me okay, but I was okay in a very like, this movie is like a, like rental caviar. I don't know. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's fine. And that fucking song, <laughs> it, it got me so good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it would have worked if I hadn't been watching the rest of the movie. Like the fact that it just comes out of nowhere and feels like this moment of real genuine like pride in one's culture. And it, it gave the movie just this feeling of community and of, uh, it, it dawned on me right then that the Eurovision song contest is a real thing because it was like, this is celebrating that, right? Like this is yeah, trying yeah. to celebrate the, the coming together of different people and how it, it's basically trolls too, right? Like it's trying to do the same thing of like, they all bring their own unique, um, unique spark to the proceedings. But I don't know, like how much can one Spjorg note carry a movie? I, I, I can't tell. I don't think this was a very good movie, but then it made me cry. So, that, that that's how i feel <laughs> yeah um so you asked how far can one spirit note carry a movie and i my answer to that question is all the way <laughs> um, i thought the aggregate of this film was great <laughs> um I, I i so so as you said like i, I didn't see blades of glory um but i kind of looped in a film outside of the Will Ferrell, oh, actually, I guess two two films outside of Will Ferrell's existence. Um, but I saw this film in a, in a semi-negative way as a combination of um, Pitch Perfect and Fighting with My Family. Um, mm -hmm. It felt like all of the beats of this film really kind of take that same sort of arc. Um, yeah. And, and like it is, it is aggressively the same plot as Pitch Perfect. Like even from like you know, accidentally getting into the, having some horrible, horrible thing happen during a performance, accidentally getting in when you don't belong. Like a, a bunch of, a bunch of different steps like that, as you said, the sing along. Um, but I think overall, like stepping back for a second, on the podcast, many a times I have stated that I'm not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell. Um, like I, I enjoy his um his snl characters and small doses i really really love stranger than fiction i think that's like a fantastic film um, but besides that i don't you know 
I don't always vibe with, you know, the Talladega Nights and things like that of, of his filmography. I hate, I, I wanted to walk out of the theater the first time I saw Elf, um, but I was with my family. Oh, wow. And they had driven, so I wasn't going to walk home. Um, so, like, it just it's sometimes the, the silliness and the weirdness um, really just grinds me the wrong way. And it's, it's hard for me to get into it. And it takes me, like, a few rewatches when it's on TV or something to settle in and be like, okay, I'm fine with this. It doesn't bother me. Um, but there is, like, legitimate heart riddled through this entire film that really propels it forward and makes it uh, an actual, like, interesting film. Like that you know that that final song and you know that high note it's not it's not just that those things in and of themselves are inherently magical it is the seeds that have been planted and watered the entire time you've been watching this film and the growing of that and having it push its way out through the soil and like sprout into this beautiful thing um yeah and i think that like yeah like the, the 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 second those first few piano notes come in and you understand what's happening. I was instantly like waterworks were starting to happen. And like the more the song, like just the lyrics of the song, the, like the actual melody of the song, like everything about it is great. I've listened to that song like 20 times today. <laughs> just, oh just, yeah, me too. Just during the day. I had that note stuck in my head for like an hour today. I was playing <laughs> on a MIDI keyboard trying to find the note and it doesn't exist. I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't find it. <laughs> It's, it, I mean, it comes from inside, Steven. It doesn't come from a keyboard. Yeah. You got to understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I think in general, there is, there is so much here that is, that is funny. And, and some of it is dumb. Lots of it is dumb. Um, some of the entire premises are dumb. But there is something, uh, like, if we compare this to uh, Irresistible, like, in that film, characters are delivering lines that are supposed to be funny, and they're, like... You, like it's just not working and in this they're delivering lines that are supposed to be dumb the characters are you're supposed to be kind of making fun of them when you watch them but the the earnestness in the heart of these characters is so strong that it like overrides any like sense of this film being just a silly joke and it becomes real and it and it just works for me so so well <laughs> mm -hmm. so thought experiment if the movie had ended with just a good rendition of Double Trouble, how would you feel about the movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a that's an accidentally bad question, Stephen, because it actually annoyed me that they performed Double Trouble twice. Um, like, mm -hmm. I feel like in these competitions, you don't sing the same song every single time you perform. You select a new song and then you sing that song, right? Like, I mean, I guess technically... I, I assume in the real one, you do the same one every time you hear. Otherwise, that'd be a weird detail for them to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, it, it might be possible, but it just seems like in a normal competition, like, you can't just do... I mean, that's even like a, a gag in... in not a gag. It's, it's, a, it's a bit in, in Pitch Perfect where they show up to a different competition singing the same thing that everybody had already seen. And like the, the announcers mm -hmm. are like, huh, that's weird. They're just going to do that same routine again, that tired old routine. Like, so it, it felt like you, you have to change the arrangement or do something to improve the performance. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're watching an extreme sport and somebody's doing like a street course, um, you know, you're, you're going to do it multiple times. You're going to save to the end your crazy big trick that you're probably not going to land because if you do land it, like, 
you're going to win, <laughs> right? But the yeah. first time you do like a nice safe one, you do that, you do that and you get your score on the board and you're like, cool, 86.7. All right, fine. And then you do your like quadruple backflip and then <laughs> they call it a day, right? And I, f- I feel like it, they do pull out their quadruple backflip. Um, but obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I just feel like most of the movie was not working for me. And then the song retroactively makes me want to like it a lot more than I did <laughs> just because of how much goodwill it, it gives me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like the, the movie is, it's both making fun of European culture and respectful in an odd way. Um, I, I don't know that it always walks that line. Like, I don't know, Will Ferrell doing his fake Icelandic accent. Like, he doesn't even commit to it, like, mid-sentence. Like, it, it changes all the time, whatever he's doing. <laughs> I, that kind of makes it funnier, though. Yeah, and then, and then the movie is also trying to be loving. Like, you can tell in the credits, I could tell just from the names, that there were a lot of, um, at least, like, Scandinavian people involved in making this movie. Like, they did <laughs> Everybody try to in make the it bar. be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. They tried to make it be local. And even the music, like they, when I think of Iceland music, I think of Bjork, I think of Sigurds, and I think of, of Monsters and Men. And like, there's definitely mad Bjork energy in this movie. I feel like that Spjorg note is like all Bjork. Um, and Sigurds has like four songs in the soundtrack. Like every yeah, time yeah. an emotional moment happens, they bust them out. And then I didn't check who wrote the score but it sounds like that of monsters and men song like dun 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 hey yeah, yeah. You, you know the song like <laughs> yeah, i, I want to say whoever whoever made this soundtrack must have been like involved with or imitating them and trying to make like a movie that feels that way so that all felt kind of cute to me like it felt like a celebration of like a certain style of music and i you know, I love me some abba like i watched the 18s when i was growing up i was cool um <laughs> Were were you too old to have seen the A-teams? Or the A-teams? I guess. The A-teams were a Nickelodeon group of kids that performed only ABBA songs. (laughs) And they had many musicals. Uh, (laughs) Dancing Queen was probably the biggest music video. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like The the movie is loving. And then it's also very broad and very strange and very silly. And like some of it works and some of it doesn't. But that song, that's it, it isn't just the note. Like you're right. It's the, the piano building of knowing what moment you're in. Like you realize what this means. And then there's the buildup of the first chorus is beautiful. And you start to see like the audience care about it. And then the second chorus, Will Ferrell starts singing a kind of like a rising note behind her. And that's so amazing. And then she busts out the sp- Borg note in the end. Oh, <laughs> just so good. So, so good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sad it wasn't Rachel McAdams singing. Like, it, it clearly isn't her. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah it's, it's not. A, it's, it's an actual Eurovision person. Yeah. Yeah. But it is Will Ferrell singing. Not that he has to do very much, but still. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I think he, he's got some traps. Like, there's a, a couple of the songs in the soundtrack. He's actually like, I was like, there you go. Good on you. Sure. Yeah, that's true. I don't know anymore what autotune means, so I just assume everything is autotune now. So yeah. I can't give too much credit to someone staying on, on key. But yeah, the music is dope in this movie. Like I was in the shower today. I was bouncing between Double Trouble and Husavik, like just back and forth. Yeah, it's good times. If, if Little I, volcano can... man, just to mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is funny though because that 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 final song is so good. 
over the course of the movie, I liked all the music that was playing. And then as I tried to listen back in the soundtrack, all the other songs are terrible in comparison to this one song. <laughs> yeah. They're still, it's still fun, but they just don't have that same resonance. Um, but I was going to say, just to, to tie it back to one more recent review, I complained about the King of Staten Island because characters talk about like how great Staten Island is. And I feel like the film failed to convince me that I should love Staten Island. And I think that that one song in this film makes me love Iceland and understand why you should. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is there. There's no place like home. Like it's it's the same vibe. Um, of course, their Iceland involves elves and like CG whales that are just like comically right next to them the whole time. Uh, I did love that gag. But the examples for me where the comedy falls flat in this movie are like there are extended sequences of them getting to Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm gonna say Edinburgh. Um, and they're like partying and drinking and enjoying the life there and all of that like just felt like a hand wavy like this is what a comedy would do right now type stuff like I, I felt like there was lots of filler in this movie where it felt like an expanded snl sketch and not necessarily like something that had a like a laugh every 30 seconds planned in the script the way that you kind of want something to be when it's a a big comedy like this um yeah i don't know there, there were little bits that felt like lazy to me and then the subplot like i i love dan stevens in this movie but there are subplots involving him and then a a greek woman who i believe is an actual greek musician but i'm not positive because i didn't look it up <laughs> um, I, but, I felt like every single person that the camera sits on for longer than two seconds was somebody important that i would know if i paid more attention to musical pop culture yeah yeah the only real musician i recognized was demi lovato uh because she has an important role and a rather uh, explosive stage presence. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like any anything involving the subplots with other characters like that, it the movie knows, this is why I keep bringing up Walk Hard, like this knows what movie you expect it to be. So it just kind of gives that to you without needing to do anything else. And it, it just like feels a little lazy in the way that it chooses to do that. Uh, and it's the same I feel with the the song along in this movie is it's supposed to be more fun than it is. It kind of feels like they're like, well, we're going to give you this big thing because we're nodding to the kind of movie that this is and the joy of everybody singing together. But then it it plays in such a kind of superficial, shiny way that it doesn't it doesn't feel anything like the joy of the pitch perfect moment where they're going back and forth and you kind of get that you're able to suspend disbelief and think this is real and happening in the moment. Yeah. And there's like an energy to it in pitch perfect that seems really cool. And here it just feels like a bunch of people lip syncing to a mashup that somebody made. Well, Steven, remember this is a sing along, not a sing off in pitch yeah, perfect. They're true. actually battling. So that's why it has that frenetic back and forth energy. Yeah, you're right. This is, this you're is right. just people joyously singing together. <laughs> All right. Well, any last thoughts before we get to verdict, Stephen? Um, this also reminds me a lot. If you haven't seen it yet, the the Elle Fanning movie Teenage Dream or Teen Dream. Um, that's where she goes. She's a young girl that gets accepted into a pop music competition. And I feel like that would pair pretty, pretty nicely with this as the more serious version of the same thing. All right. Well, 
Uh, let's get to verdicts then. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I. It would have been like like a rental or maybe even pass caveat, and then it got me so good with the music. I think I'm bumping <laughs> it to a recommend with a caveat because like now especially because i know it worked on you too it means i was not it wasn't just like the cocktail and me being tired and quarantine brain like there is something that actually works about this that is maybe a repeatable experience um i i just i don't actually think it's very good most of the time but it it does stick the landing in a rather beautiful way and at least for me that that made it worth it yeah i am going to give it a very big recommend with caveat um the caveat is that steven's not wrong this is not the world's best movie, and I'm sure as the days pass on from this moment, most of this film will fade away except for the final song, um, because yeah. I will undoubtedly play it multiple times a day until I'm sick of it. <laughs> um, Do you think that's going to get nominated for Best Original Song? Does Netflix I mean, have the juice for that? I mean, what is it going up against? I feel like... Has there been anything big music-wise this year? I, pandemic makes anything in my head just gone. Yeah, time time has stopped working for me. Was there an original song in maybe the original Trolls song that wasn't that great? Is going to oh, be yeah. nominated. <laughs> That's right. It will probably have competition from Trolls just because Trolls is like the incumbent. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think this is fun and I think people should check it out. It is only, especially if you did watch Irresistible and you paid 20 bucks, why don't you just pop on Eurovision? <laughs> it might help you get over having watched uh, Irresistible. Cool. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of our review of Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's it. We will be back next week with another review. Until then, have a good week. (laughs) Bye. I'm going to become a fisherman and drink myself to death like a real Ericsson man. This is my new life. But what about Sigrid? Rich, hairless Russian guy with a huge dingle-dong came between us. Shit happens. Yeah. Goodbye. Remember, give up on your dreams now while you're still young.